It's always soccer in Philadelphia, even though the Eagles season is in full swing, and that's what I'm working on now. Kevin Kincaid alongside, well, technically I'm not alongside him, but his voice is alongside me. I've got Dave Zeitlin on the phone. Dave, what it is, man? Weird not being there. I missed uh, Baxter. Can you give me like a play-by-play of what Baxter is doing the entire time? Yeah, here's the play-by-play. He's laying on his ass right now on the couch. Okay. Yeah, he's on. Would, uh, he is on the guest. He's on the guest bed right now. He's in our guest room, sleeping in the guest bed. So. Yeah. Hopefully we well, don't. I'm, hopefully we don't have to put anybody in there tonight besides him. Well, I do apologize for not being there. We won't make this a uh, regular thing. But uh, yeah, we both have. A few different things going on this week, uh, and uh, I guess there's not too much excitement about the uh, union right now either, right? <laughs> well, listen, we're doing this for you, the fan, you, the listener, <laughs> the loyal the loyal listener of It's Always Soccer in Philadelphia, because even though I have a bunch of other stuff to do and I'm full-time doing other sports now, we are dedicated. Dave and I are You're dedicated. You're an Eagles now. How does it feel to be a full-time Philadelphia It feels weird because I don't know as much about football as I do soccer, and I'm I'm sitting here at these takes like, wow, I hope people believe what's coming out of my mouth. That's good. good. Yeah. Important to be a good bullshit artist, I guess. Well, I watched a lot of college football back in the day. I wasn't like a huge NFL guy, but you know, inevitably there's going to be some people who come up there to stick to soccer, dude. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. You don't know the difference between a bubble screen and a tunnel screen. And a wide receiver screen and, you know, blah, 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 you know. But I think, uh, you know, uh, you and I as soccer writers have heard various shit from various yeah. people over the years, you know. Well, I think we should start with, uh, for your job at Crossing Broad, you wrote an article today on the a new team coming to Philly and the certain fan favorite from the uh, union <laughs> was uh, there today. <laughs> yeah. In the press conference, right? <laughs> I got a, yeah, I got to see Nick Sikiewicz for the first time in a long time today. Uh, I got to see Did Dave. Did you actually Ra- talk to him afterwards? Did you guys uh, chat at all? Or? No, I talked to him beforehand, actually. I got down there okay. kind of early. I told him, I'm like, hey, let's sit down in the near future, maybe next week or something, and kind of piggyback off of this event and I'll do a sit well why don't we do a sit down and we'll just catch up with Nick Sakevich and see how things are going with the NLL and uh you know sort of backtrack into some union stuff what do you think about the team now what were your thoughts about leaving the team because we did we really didn't Jack McCaffrey spoke to him a couple months ago but I don't think any of us really like did the exit interview with Nick Sakevich did we no, I think he, yeah, he kind of left, and uh, it, it probably would have been hard for me to, because I wrote a fairly blistering column about him <laughs> after he left, <laughs> about uh, sort of some of the things that fans didn't like about him, about uh, we didn't like about him, but, you know, give him credit, he does know how to start things, you know, he, he got a franchise here, the Philly, he's bringing one to, to lacrosse, so he's, he's a good, like, mover and shaker type of guy, it's, uh, well, I thought he. I thought this is now. Yeah, this is now like his specialty. You know, because I, I again, I don't think yeah. anybody ever like looked at Nick and said that he was a bad businessman or that he didn't have contacts or he didn't know people or he didn't know how to get something up and running or get a stadium built. You know, most of the criticism for him was always reserved to the idea that uh, he was a Jerry Jones type of meddling uh, executive who really wanted to be a, a general manager instead. So in right. this in this instance here. He can be the guy at the National Lacrosse League, and um, he's coming straight to the NLL from a position of, you know, working as an executive in a niche sport, uh, you know, in a niche in a in a tough market. So everything that he learned from expansion in the last eight to ten years, 
um, even previously in Major League Soccer, he can apply that right away to trying to make the NLL better. And what they did with Philadelphia was they went right in for a strong owner. And I would say, and I saw this in some of the questions that people were asking us earlier, but the Philadelphia Wings or whatever the hell they're going to be named probably have a better owner than the Philadelphia Union do. Well, yeah, I mean, I would say there are a lot of things we didn't like about Nick um, dating back to his time with the Union. I mean, when he said he never signed a player in his life, he's kind of playing with the uh, truth there, especially with uh, the uh, the uh, race Maboli thing. But, I mean, since he's left, the team hasn't really gotten better. They did make the playoffs last year, but this season now is probably one of their worst ever. So, I mean, you obviously can't blame Nick for all the Union problems. So, I mean, it does show that problems with the union run a lot deeper than uh than a uh, nick Sakavich, right <laughs> yeah look i asked him straight up i was like look with your experience uh with the union and mls and understanding expansion and you know all these new markets coming into the league what what can you take uh from that and how can you apply it with the nll right the wings are going to be the 11th uh franchise right they moved in 2014 uh, they were gone for a couple years. They actually relocated to Uncasville, um, Connecticut, and now this is going to be a new franchise, right? So I asked him that, and he said, um, here's, a, here's a question verbatim. Were there lessons from MLS that you were able to apply um, to NLL expansion? And he said, absolutely, and that's ownership. It's all about the quality, top-shelf, blue-chip owner that has the resources and is committed and passionate in building an organization that's going to deliver for the fans what the fans deserve, which is a great team, week in and week out, competitive always fighting and making it work, especially in a great sports city like Philadelphia. I mean, he's right. He's 100% right, but it also does feel like there's a little bit of shade being thrown at Jay Sugarman there. Yeah, and, and it is. And it's, I mean, I'd like to read more about if you do get a chance to talk to him about him and Jay, because they got along well at first. And without Jay Sugarman, I mean, Nick Kevich does not like get into this whole thing, right? I mean, yeah. it was Jay's money that he wrote into this. <laughs> so, I mean, to completely throw Jay Sugarman under the bus, to me, seems a little disingenuous from Nick. What do you think? Well, yeah, and I know, like, we've said this before, but a lot of those guys at the very beginning, like uh, the Brian James and the Corey Furlins of this world, Kenny Hansen as well, um, always spoke very highly of Nick as a person who was, uh, you know, there from the beginning and who was interested in this team and, and had understood the grassroots concept behind it. You know, the problem where Nick went wrong was just that, you know, the little money that he did get to spend uh, was not spent wisely. And then, you know, just having the penchant for having, you know, confusing quotes about having three of the best goalkeepers in, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, Major League though, yeah. that's a problem because Nick, Nick just never really helped himself. I, I do like him one-on-one -on -one as a person. I'm interested yeah, to see what like, happens when we sit down. Yeah. I don't have anything against the guy personally or whatever, but he always just had a this um, – I always felt like he, we never got to see his best traits, you know? Yeah, I mean, you know – Another thing with Nick is he wanted to take credit for the good. He had two um, U.S. Open Cup finals, but he didn't want to take any criticism for the bad, which is only one playoff berth in his, his entire time there. You know, the the firing of the two coaches, hiring of Novak, who, who didn't work out. So, I mean, it, he, the, so much of what he said was just rooted in a lot of, I don't want to say lies, but he, he definitely played with the truth a lot to like kind of make himself look and that's what always rubbed me the wrong way. Well, the interesting thing is that I think Nick Sakevich's legacy, and maybe we could end on this, his um, his legacy is almost going to kind of become more, I, I don't know how to describe it, like the uh, the muddiness or the haze or the, the fog kind of surrounding it will start to lift 
the longer that the team goes without success while Jay, yeah, sure. while Jay Sugarman is still at the helm, you know, because then people are going to say, well, maybe it wasn't Nick after all. And while we all understand sure. that Nick, Nick didn't do anything to help himself. Um, I think at this point now people are saying, well, maybe Nick wasn't the, the main problem after all. Yeah, I would agree with that. All right. And I mean, case in point is this season and it was another, if you want to transition into the uh, union season, I mean, there's another disappointing game in uh, Minnesota, a team they should beat, even if it is on the road. And they played well at first and then didn't do much of anything. This team on the road this season has just been painful to watch. Yeah, yeah, it just kind of had the blueprint of all their road games where they either start out strong and then fade or they start out like shit and get stronger, you know, but they just haven't been able to put together a full 90 on the road for whatever. Um I don't know. I wasn't surprised at all. I was I was completely bored. Uh, not just because I was starting starting a new job and focused on other stuff, but I I honestly think that this has been the most boring two weeks of Philadelphia Union soccer um, in the last. Uh, you know, I don't know, in as long as I can remember. Yeah, yeah. There wasn't. I mean, I was. Yeah, I mean, I was working that game on the desk for MLS, and I was looking at my notes afterwards, and there just wasn't much of anything. I mean, the biggest thing. Well, the uh, goal was nice at first. Good play by uh, Fafa. Yeah. Get the ball into CJ, who has uh, 13 goals. Uh, one off the club record set by Oz. But two, which is a pretty big accomplishment if you yeah. get there. And then the other biggest play was the uh, video review, and that's the second time that the Union have had uh, benefit. Uh, good fortune go their way. So, so the fact that they got that and still have only got a tie, I mean, that's pretty good fortune for them there. Yeah, and um, you know, just a tactical wrinkle here, just so I actually make it sound like I still know what I'm talking about and I still know soccer. Uh, you know, they flipped the they flipped the wings in this game. So Pontius went out and played on the left, and Pico played on the right, and that was the genesis of the first goal because Pico doesn't cross that ball right to left if he's not on the right to start with. You know, do you see Pontius being able to hit that? Not really. Um, so if Chris Pontius, if, if you're going to insist on Chris Pontius being in the lineup. Then uh, you know, just try playing him somewhere different. Maybe maybe that's the the case. You know, I don't. Um, or you know, I, no, I shouldn't say that because Pontius did play a lot on the left um, previously and scored goals yeah. over there. But Pico has almost exclusively been used on that side this year. So either way you, you dice it, that's what it is. Um, New York this weekend. I, you know, I don't see it happening. Obviously, they're playing at the same time as the Eagles. Ironically, so um, I'll say. Oh, uh, they, that's- <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's both one, one, all, right? one o'clock games. Yeah, for the yeah. union, man. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah, if they lose this game, they're pretty close to being like eliminated. I feel like the Red Bulls are currently in sixth place now that yeah, Atlanta Lake is climbing up the table. So yeah. I mean, they're basically done anyway. But this game will kind of kind of put the nail in the coffin, pretty much. It should be. Yeah, I mean, I don't see anything, and we had outlined it multiple times on the show where we just didn't see where the points were coming from anyway. But I mean, this would. I think the sooner we get to the nail in the coffin, the better, because we're not, I mean, what's what's the alternative? You just keep treading water here, and then two games left, you're like, oh, well, well now we're out. You know, that doesn't solve anything. Yeah. It's like I say, you want to take yeah. this time to kind of answer some questions that you have out there and, and see what happens, right? Yeah, well, I mean, just one more thing in this game. I mean, Matt asked in the, in the press conference a couple times whether he'd play any um, young players, and the fact that he didn't play Derek Jones uh, last week game in Minnesota kind of rubbed me the uh, wrong way a bit. I mean, Carvalho is a good player, but I mean, just why not play Jones at this point? It doesn't really make sense to me. And Curtin said again, you know, he's not going to necessarily throw John, uh, Jones, um, um, the other uh, young guys into the lineup, which, I mean, we've talked about before, but it's, it's pretty
pretty dumb at this point in the season. Yeah. I mean, just throw I mean, him out there, see what happens, right? Yeah, there's no reason that Derek Jones shouldn't have been in that game uh, in lieu yeah. of in lieu of Warren Cabal. Um Okay, you want to take some uh, questions now? How do we want to do this? Do you want to read them to me, or should I read them to you? Oh, man, yeah, this is, this is, this is different. Yeah, um, sometimes we get different ones, so I could start from, from the bottom if you want to look to the top. Is that a... Yeah. Does that make sense to you? You start from the bottom until we're here. Um, okay, let's take the first one from Austin C137. Is it true that Kevin Kincaid has been Hulk Union Smash this whole time? No, no, that's not true. <laughs> no, no truth to rumor. Although Hulk has been up my ass like with mentions ever since I went to Crossing Broad. So. He's really dead. We have a Hulk cut question, too. So these are hard to read, so I'll try. Yeah. Uh, Hulk Union Smash, top five off-season Union predictions, more Academy kids running away, more Albers running away, any chance Chopper McMoney bag runs away. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> Who the hell the Academy kids is interesting. Jonathan Tannewald wrote a good article about it. Uh, one of them uh, left the Academy because of uh, he was getting into trouble, so um, the uh, Union kind of sent him on their way. Any other one he said was homesick and and wanted to go back to Atlanta, where he was originally from. So yeah. it doesn't look as bad as what it seemed at first when they had these couple of guys leaving, but the optics are still not really great. They are putting so much into this academy to have talented players leave is not not really what you want to say. Well, let me ask this one then uh, from Rick McGovern. Is there an alternate reality where the union are owned by Comcast, and how do we get there? You know, it's funny because I kind of mentioned that at the beginning. Um, Comcast is a much better ownership group. Then, uh, you know, Keystone Sports and Entertainment, uh, there's an irony there. How do you get there? I don't know. You wait until expansion's done, and then you force Jay Sugarman to sell because hopefully his, uh, you know, the value of the franchise has plateaued at that point, you know? Yeah. Um, well, it sounds like MLS might be pressuring Jay Sugarman anyway to spend more money. And I, I think we need to see what happens this offseason, how much they spend, and going into next year, see what the uh, salary is. Yeah, 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 for sure. There. Yeah. Um, let me ask you another one here. Um, since you're breaking up just a little bit, is uh, is a oh, sen- sure. senior European affiliate uh, a solution to securing loanees since we won't spend money on players? No, I don't, I've never really bought that because it's those things always like seem nice on paper, but they never really result in anything material. You know, like the Costa Rica. Remember when the union were affiliated with uh, Saprisa or whatever? Yeah. Uh, you know, how much did we get out of that alone? Uh, for Jose Martinez, you know, I mean, it's still just got to be on a case by case basis. You look at like what Atlanta did with Anton Walks or something like that. Um, what San Jose did with Simon Dawkins, you know, they didn't necessarily have partnerships with these teams, but they were able to just identify people who needed a change of scenery, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, Tyler Aston wants to know when is Kevin going to drop the story on the front office? Uh, well, you know, I got to walk that back because uh, due to unforeseen circumstances, there are some, uh, <clears throat> how would I explain it? There are some relationships that I need to keep intact right now. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, sorry for, you know, blowing that. But I do, I am working on something different for Crossing Bra, which is a story that everybody is already familiar with, but something that, uh, I hope we'll see the light of day, which I don't think was like properly um, reported when it first came out. So that's the hint. All right, there you go. Hope that hope that appeases you guys a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, or I can disappoint everybody again. Yeah, sorry. 
Uh, Justin Friedberg, when is Hulk Union Smash going to be on the podcast? This is a burning topic among the fans. Yep. People like this guy. He's, he's popular. Yeah, I feel like he's, he's really... popular player in the team, I think. I feel like no, Hulk... The player. Yeah, I feel like Hulk, <laughs> Hulk Union Smash has kind of exploited the success of It's Always Soccer in Philadelphia. And <laughs> riding of, our coattails. Yeah, and he's kind of like weaseled his way into like a position of prominence, uh, you know, piggybacking off of... Uh, off of the hard work of you and I, so um, <laughs> the hard work, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. call in, yeah, the hard work call of uh, the, the hard work of yapping into a microphone. Although I tell you what, <laughs> when when you and Matt did the one with uh, the twenty five most union moments, you put like an hour of prep work into that podcast, yeah. and a full hour at least. That's more than what uh, Anthony Gargano has done in his entire life. <laughs> um, what what else you got? Uh, uh, Michael Forster, any chance? Moving Ali Bedoya to the wing to relieve Pontius. Any chance that people stop being loyal to a disloyal ownership group? Uh, the answer uh, to yeah, the, sec- the answer to the second the question is no. Not yeah. moving. No. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think they're going to move. Uh, I don't think I don't think Jim's going to make many lineup shakeups these last few games. Do you? I mean, I don't really see him like flipping around any players like Bedoya or Pontius. I don't either. I mean, at least not putting them in different positions. I mean, the the most biggest thing he did was swap Pontius and, you know, Pico in the last game. But, uh, you know, I don't think we're going to see Bedoya on the wing, even though I'd like to see it, because he basically plays over there anyway. Yeah. Uh, Matt Thorne, I'm curious what you think the value of Jim Curtin as a coach is in terms of what he makes uh, salary-wise. He talks player numbers a lot. Uh, manager numbers is more opaque. It's interesting, because I know... I- that probably goes back to uh, Nick, because he was the one who kind of played hardball with him on his contract, right? It's probably not too much compared to compared to the other coaches in the league, I guess, right? Yeah, I think he's at the very bottom or close to it. Yeah. Uh, so that's good news, right, guys? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dave Meehan, would the union have been better off getting Ali Curtis instead of Ernie? Um, I still think Ernie was a good signing, but this is an important offseason for him, for sure. It is, yeah. Yeah, I uh, through various channels of information believe that they are poised to have a big off season. Yeah, I mean they've been saying it. So. Yeah, and I think yeah. I think you are going to see that strategy of high low uh, with the academy kids. Right. You know, bring, yeah. bringing in the low end of that salary, which enables them. I don't know if you're going to see them necessarily spend a lot more but it's just going to be allocated a lot differently and there's going to be a huge huge uh tam increase too yeah a lot of money yeah a lot uh, of tam yeah. yeah uh mr brian smith please tell me there's a zero percent chance chris Pontius is on a team next year i was actually reading an article today i think Pontius is a poised to be a free agent he meets the uh, requirements and uh he's from california so possibly could we see an lafc signing there for uh for mr yeah, imagine that. That might not be a bad thing at all. I wonder how Bob Bradley feels about him. Did Chris Pontius when Chris Pontius had those original like call ups uh, way back in yeah, the day, was Jurgen the coach Bradley. or was, was Bradley the coach? Uh it was so long ago. That might have was, was that before Clinton even it's possible. I don't know. I thought it was during when was his all star season? Twenty twelve? That would have been Clinsman, yeah. yeah. Right, because Bradley I mean, was that, in 2011. That would make sense. Uh, the, I mean, he's probably going to make less than what he makes now just based on this season. I mean, scoring zero goals is pretty bad. He does have six assists. Um, he's, I mean, he definitely has value in this league. He was great um, last year with the, with the 
the 12 goals, I think. So, I mean, he'll be able to get a contract. And it just depends where he wants to go and I guess how much teams want to spend on him. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Rich Kelly, will the union get a professional manager? The team only languish near the bottom of the tent the table until a real manager comes in rich ransom of the union on jay keeps a watch so a few different curtain ones there uh he's gonna say right i mean at, at, at this point i don't i don't yeah. see them firing him here's a question from phil soccer aid if jeffrey Lurie had started the union in 1996 would they now be like the revs or like the sounders in atlanta um <laughs> that's a good question I, I you know i don't know enough about Lurie. yeah Lurie is um you know, it's strange because Lurie is definitely committed to winning, uh, you know, but he is a guy who, you know, with like going back to Doug Peterson, for example, you know, he try he's, he's very like kind of hesitant to steer off course. You know, he had a great coach in Andy Reid for years, tried something completely different with Chip Kelly and hated it and ran back to, you know, what he was familiar with. So I, I don't know. I mean, that's a good question. It's hard to say. I think they would be probably somewhere in the middle like that. And the good thing about the Revs losing – seven to nothing last night is that the Kraft family definitely didn't see it, you know, because they were probably too busy. Uh, I saw you tweet that you're going back to your old hits with the Kraft thing. Yeah. I, I can't stand him. I think he's an idiot, but you know, <laughs> I believe that while also acknowledging what he did for the league at its inception and why it was important. But I mean, that was so long ago that now it doesn't really matter, you know? Uh, Jimmy asked, why should I use my season tickets for any of their remaining matches this season? Uh, I guess because you paid for them already. Yeah. Uh, nice yeah. beer with a water, some beer. Yeah, because you paid for them. How about that? <laughs> uh, there you go. Um, hey, uh, can you take over and ask some questions? I got one of my hats real quick. <laughs> uh, somebody at the door? Yeah, let me uh, go. Let me see here. Um... Hey, sorry about that. I oh, it's right. my house. These are the joys of doing a podcast. <laughs> Alex Armstrong, how many starters need to be brought in during the offseason to make the team a top four East team for next year? Oh, a top four East team. Oh, well, a lot then. You know, I mean, for them to be competitive and for them to get in the five to six range, you need a number 10, maybe explore another striker. Um, yeah. uh, you're going to need another center back alongside Jack Elliott. I guess it's crazy that I'm saying that, you know, I have to, <laughs> you know, now, but yeah, oh, I think down the, down I, the spine, you're going to at least need two or three in that spine, you know, center back number 10. And then, uh, depends how you feel about CJ. But again, we talked about Jay Simpson kind of being a roadblock there because of his salary. You know, if you go out and get a third strike, you only play one striker in your formation to begin with, and you've already got $800,000 locked up there. You go get a $1 million striker, then what? You have three strikers making $1.8 million? I mean, that's not – that doesn't make sense either. Yeah. Uh, George wants to know, will we win a game for the rest of the season? If not, what happens this season? I think they'll win uh, the finale against Orlando. What do you think? Yeah, because Orlando actually turned out to be dog shit. Who saw that coming, you know? <laughs> yeah, they've really fallen pretty far. Yeah. Uh, all right. Any other questions you say? I think that's – Pretty much it for no, me. I think that's about it. Listen, it was it wasn't. Um, I don't think this this will go down as an all time episode <laughs> of uh, it's always soccer and football. Might be one of our worst podcasts, but yeah. uh, the union aren't very good either. So. It may very uh, well be the worst podcast. I do feel bad I'm not there. Like we said, we do want to keep this thing going. I have fun doing the podcast. I love hearing from the fans. It's probably one of my favorite things I do. So uh, yeah, we're gonna do our best to do a better job and 
just kind of a tough week with the union where they are, with you starting your new job. I have a bunch of 10 assignments I'm working on. So yeah. we'll do better next time, but uh, we do appreciate uh, you guys as always. You got uh, Penn and a bunch of different stuff. I wrote a story today about lacrosse, uh, Josh, <laughs> I- Josh Innes, and uh, the Sixers. And now I'm headed to the uh, Offspring and Sublime show. So it's been that kind of day um, you know, here in Fishtown and Graduate Hospital, Philadelphia. Uh, Kevin Kincaid, Dave Zeitlin, it's always soccer in Philadelphia, even when we're doing other shit. So thank you for, okay. thank you for listening.